Welcome to America's Top Rebbitons. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Shlomo Aaron Ben Sarah Hanna. We are honored to have on today's show Rebbitson Haya Malka Abramson. Rebbitson Haya Malka has a very interesting story. She started out as a budding fashion designer living in Connecticut. Then she moved to Israel, where she was involved in a horrific fire that caused her to have severe burns over 85% of her body as she repeatedly went back into her burning apartment to rescue her three children and her grandmother. She was given a one in 10 chance of survival. Her family and friends, they rallied around her with fervent prayers. They gave charity. They did acts of loving kindness. And miraculously, her life was spared and she survived Baruch Hashem. Rebetzin Hayamaka wrote about her powerful story in her book, Who by Fire. That's the name of her book, Who by Fire. She also started the Hayamaka Burn Foundation, which helps Jewish burn patients in Israel and abroad by raising money for costly treatments and also helping the burn victims resume a normal lifestyle. Wow, you have really been through a lot. Please tell us your story. So um, just give me a time frame, like five minutes, 10 minutes, <laughs> you know. Um, you could talk, talk for as long as you want, maybe 20 minutes even. Okay. So um, I was, um, you want to hear the story of the book? Like, I, you know, the fire. So I was 30 years old. Yes. I had three little children. I had become religious um, five years before that. And I was at Anne Hartzion, which after traveling in Europe, we were, my sister and I were in this like little, it, it, little um, Italian city. And there were like stones, uh, cobblestones and narrow streets and, you know, like laundry hanging up from the <laughs> windows. And it was, it, it was like, really moved me. I was like, wow, I really want to live in a place like this. And about a month later, um, uh, well, it wasn't exactly a month later, but about a month later, I ended up becoming religious, well, you know, coming to Jerusalem, becoming religious. And um, eventually, when I got married, about nine months later, um, there I was living in a place that looked just like that. Wow. <laughs> it, you know, it, uh, you know, in a crusader um uh fortress and on like second floor uh, it was actually above king david's tomb which is where we lived for five years and then um the the government you know they were like rumors uh you know uh, that there was a problem with the building and we were gonna have to move we really didn't think it was gonna ever happen but one day they came with, you know, <laughs> here it is, the paper, you know, you have three days to move. Yep. So anyway, I ended up living across the street from now where um, Sarah Riggler, Sarah Riggler lives. Oh, yes. In the old city. Yes. In the old city, in Ararat Street. And after three weeks, my husband left to go. He was a, a member of the Diaspora Shiva Band. And he left that afternoon around five o'clock. And in the early evening, my grandmother comes to spend the, this last night of her trip with us. And, um, you know, I said, you know, we had like, very, uh, very cheery uh, goodbyes and stuff at night and because she was going to be leaving really early in the morning. So 
um, she was the one who gave my sister and I $350, which was no small amount of money at that, you know, 40 years ago. And um, she said, you know, on your trip to, a trip to Europe, go to Israel. So, mm -hmm. we, so that's how we got there. So we were very indebted to her. You know, my sister also became religious, Baruch Hashem. And Kanina Hara, she has nine children and they're all married and having children. And, Beautiful. you know, their tribe is just growing. Um, Baruch Hashem. And so what happened? All of a sudden, you know, I, uh, I turned the lights off, you know, locked the door, made sure the kids were covered, went to sleep, you know, said Shema Yisrael and went to sleep. All of a sudden, it was like, it seemed like, you know, two seconds later, I hear my grandmother, we called her Nana, screaming, you know, Malka, Malka, I smell gas. So immediately I jumped up, jumped right into the slippers that she had brought me. We're ankle high. Okay. And I started like on my mission. Okay. Find the gas. Mm -hmm. And it, at, at, at a certain point, you know, like, Somebody once uh, spoke in Connecticut once on a Shabbos, and this man said, if you had smoke detectors, you wouldn't have to think what you had to do. The smoke detector would have, or the gas detector, or gas detector also, would have been, you know, uh, beeping, and it would have woken you up, and you, you, it, would, you would, it would have said to you, get out, get out, get out. But I was still on this mission. You see, sometimes we have a mission and when we're supposed to change our mission, we, we're not thinking. We just, you know, I did stop to think for a second right before I went into the room filled with gas. And because like the gas hit me and I was just really overwhelming and I really didn't know what to do. So, um, um, and interestingly enough, the door to our front door to our apartment was right next to me. But years later, when I did, uh, when I was learning about trauma therapy to help my burn patients, I was, you know, the guinea pig. And <laughs> there I was being taken, you know, right to the, the scene of the crime, you know. And it was like there was no door. It was just like a wall there huh. at that time you know it was like I wasn't thinking at all just to get out at all right. anyway I didn't have any you know um voices or any I was waiting you know I said you know I'm gonna stop think for a second you know what should I do and nothing came to me so um I opened my eyes and as soon as I opened my eyes I see the gas heater in the living room and I was drawn to it. I just, and, you know, I just went, like, I just, just had to go there. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, trying to see what I, am I supposed to do something there? And then my Nana calls to me, she says, Maka, Maka, open the windows. Okay. Okay. So. So. <laughs> she um it's okay 
Okay, maybe I'll go back a little bit. Anyway, so Nana, she was in the door where I had just been standing and she said, to, she yells to me, Malka, open the windows. Okay. So that's not a good thing to do when there's a lot of gas in the room. But I didn't know, I was 30 and she was 78. And so I listened to her. So I turned around, I opened one, two, three windows, turned around again. All of a sudden on the whole left side, I heard this whoosh. Oh. And everything exploded. Oh. All the gas exploded into fire. And I, it was also on me. Oh. So I learned when I was a little girl, stop, drop and roll. Yes. But I, there, was, there was fire everywhere. I couldn't like, I didn't find anything that wasn't on fire, you know, a blanket, a towel or anything to cover myself with. So I did this, you know, that was like, you know, instinctually and left my fingers out there, you know, pretty much exposed. But, um, <laughs> and then I ran and they, you know, the, the authorities say, you know, don't run if you're on person's on fire, but it's pretty hard to walk it's in that situation I can imagine so I ran it took about six seconds to run to run to my bedroom and I dove on my bed you know I just like went to one side and the other and I jumped up and I looked down and my very uh flammable you know um uh, flannel nightgown yes was gone Wow. And um, I looked in my closet and the door was open. I see a blue fuzzy robe that I had. Now, this was the fire was December 2nd, 1981. So it was cold. So whatever, I had my warm robe. So I put it on, which you're not supposed to put anything colored or fuzzy over burn. Just maybe like a white sheet or something, you know. That's also good to know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, I didn't look back. I just left and I went to check, you know, my children, my children and um, my daughter um, was coughing a little bit, but my son was already awake. So there was a terrible story in Monsi years ago about a, a woman who left her child in an agala on the, on the porch. And there was like alerts that there were bears in the, in, you know, maybe it was in the, in the, in the mountains or something, I'm not sure, the Catskills. But so she went in with some children. She left her other child in the Agala. When she came back, the child was gone. Oh, I can't. And why am I saying this is because I don't know why I didn't take all my children at once. I don't know, but I would say that in an emergency, one should. <laughs> okay. Yes. And, and and in the end, we do not. Hashem decides what's going to be in the end. You know. Um. You know why did this? Why did that? You know, I can't answer all those questions, but that's what I did. Okay, so I took my son, who was two and a half years old, brought him to the. Um, outside and then went and then came back and gave him to a neighbor and then um Devorah 
was still in the top bunk and I pulled her down, put her on one side and our, we had a little baby, Esther. She was 11 months old and she, she had woken up and she put herself like right at the corner of the crib as close to the door as possible. And she was wearing this pink pajama sleeper with a zipper in the middle. And I just mm-hmm. like, with my burnt hand, I like, you know, lifted her up and put her on the other side and ran out with them. Okay. Now I get out there. There's like this little a ramp and it's like, it's like um, uh, uh, twilight out there, twilight zone. It was like quiet. It was eerie an eerie feeling. And um, I'm like looking for my grandmother and she's not there. Uh Oh, where is she? Where is she? You know? And um, so I, I ran back to the, to the house and there was a soldier standing on the left side. So I was like, can you go grab my Nana? You know, I got all excited (laughs) and he just like, not like that. He just shook his head. No. And I'm, uh, okay, you know, when was the last time a soldier didn't like <laughs> want to do something heroic? But it is against the law, the Jewish law, to go into a burning house. I don't, I don't hold anything against him, you know. But I did see over his shoulder, you know, like I was, I saw into the room, and the flames were up to the ceiling. They filled the room, so I just went right past him, and I saw her. Stand, standing next to the window, you know, she had like opened the window and was breathing heavily in my room. And I said, come on, Nana, we're going. And I like just sort of, you know, gently pulled her arm a little bit. And um, she came with me, you know, we just went out together. Amazing. And, uh, it, and, and it was like um, cold out there. And um, there was like all of a sudden, a lot of action, you know, like, I was like, uh, can you bring us blankets? And, um, you know, somebody said, you know, my son sure wanted to sit with me. So I, I sat down on the, on the stairs and then there was like a girl, you know, didn't want to come down and this other people didn't know how to get out. And it was like all this action <laughs> that was like, um, and people didn't know what happened. You know, was it a terror attack or, you know, there was like all this smoke that rose up from the windows and it rose up, you know, the whole side of the building. So people didn't know it was okay to go up to the roof like that. Was that an okay, uh, you know, um, escape room? Anyway, Baruch Hashem, <laughs> after a little while, got quiet again. And I looked down at my thumb, this thumb. Oh boy, that doesn't look good, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a, you know, this is, this was burnt, but this is not a burn. It's like a skin thing. But anyway, this thumb, the skin was like that. It was just attached to the fingernail. And it was, it just like, it looked like a piece of burnt chicken skin. Oh. It was just attached here. And I looked at it and I'm like, oh no, you know, my life's never going to be the same. And it wasn't. <laughs> and it was like a lot, it was a lot of, a lot of work, uh, a lot of pain. And um, for, you know, for years, but Baruch Hashem, like, um, I made it. Baruch Hashem, it's amazing, really. (laughs) Wow, wow. And so, so, and so you started, so after the fire, 
so you recover. You took a while to recover. How long did it take you to recover after this? Well, I'm still recovering, meaning I still have some scars. Okay. I don't have like emotional scars or like, you know, I have some physical scars and um, I, 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 I don't know. I like found some kind of um, um, organic um, uh, oil that um, somebody that I know in the old city is selling and I started using it on my face and it like really made it look even nicer. Oh, <laughs> so, that's a perk. Okay. It's great. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm 70 years old mm-hmm. and um, when I was 30, I, I, you know, I, I had, I had a lot of scars so I had already, so I sort of went through the process of like how what must be like to get old and to have to deal with things that are like unexpected, let's say. Like no one really expects wrinkles. And then when they come, they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, um, I, I was four months in the hospital in Ninth Karen. Mm-hmm. and then home for a couple of weeks and then two months in a rehabilitation center in heart heart sofim uh, hadassah manskopis uh, and then after that i was like a year and a half uh going five days a week four three two one and then i had a baby <laughs> oh wow oh my gosh wow <laughs> two years almost exactly two years after the fire it's amazing. That's like truly, truly a miracle. It's amazing. And it really, like, I was very, very thin. And I was so thin. I was like calling people and asking them, you know, what I could eat to make me fat, you know, but I didn't <laughs> like to eat. I mean, I knew ice cream wasn't good for me. I already went through that. Another scenario with that. But so it was like, it was a hard thing, but, um, uh, I was pregnant and I had to have a special, I was wearing this um, uh, called a, a job suit and today they're called a pressure garment yes. where it, it, it's very ugly. They were only, um, they weren't black uh, then those days, they're like ugly skin color. <laughs> yes. And I had to wear, I wore a whole mask. I just had two like openings for my eyes, little for my nose and mouth and maybe for my ear a little hole for my ear or something and it it uh, closed in the back with the velcro and it was and it came down to here let's see i was wearing a turtleneck bigger than this taller than this Mm -hmm. folded over so there were four layers of material and every place where i was wearing something (laughs) it protected my skin so over here you see I have no scars over here Amazing. on my neck. Yes. And the same thing happened with the, my grandmother's um, slippers that she brought me that protected my feet. feet. That's very important though. It's really, really important. You know, if, if you had burn marks on your feet, you, you might not have been able to run. Right. Even right. Even. It would have been, it would have been, I don't know. In Israel will say P time, you know, the, recovery like to have to look I, I had to because I had skin grafts on my legs I had three times I had to learn to walk again 
Right. And every time I remember the feeling, putting my legs down over the, the bed and then having the blood like it's so it, it, it hurt to have the blood like flowing down, you know, through my feet, at, you know, through my legs. And then I had to like walk with help with a walker with the, you know, it was like so slow and I had to do it three times. So um, I can't imagine what it would have been like if also my feet were burnt. Right. And it's all thing. I asked my, I have a grandchildren in South Africa. So I was just curious, but they're set. I asked them, do you know how many um, uh, um, bones are in foot? They know 70. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> 70 bones. So you can imagine and have just a little bit of skin. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All coordinates. Oh. So I'm very thankful, you know, like they say that, you know, um, to be grateful for everything you have. It's like yes. a work of a lifetime. It does not end. <laughs> no, for sure. No. And we always have to be grateful. And and it's really your, your, your survival, your recovery, the fact that you're even here today, 40 years later to tell the story is really, it's nothing short of a miracle. And also not, not only did you survive the fire, but you turned this, this, tragedy into into um a triumph you really did because you started the high amalco burn foundation can you tell us a little bit more about that okay so um just yesterday i was talking to somebody who happened to to mention this woman's name who lives in london now I won't say her name but she was pregnant and she got burnt and she got depressed and she didn't want to talk to anybody. And one day I get a phone call. This was in 2003. Um, I didn't have a foundation then. I just, you know, my husband and I used to go to visit burn patients uh, in the beginning. And then I used to go by myself. And um, this woman calls me and she tells me the story about her daughter. So I said, no problem. I'll come over. And, you know, it was also a little hard for me also because I was a late bloomer <laughs> and everything I'm doing today is like, I learned how to do it. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I don't know. I didn't learn very much when I was younger. Uh, I, I knew how to smile <laughs> and I was very sweet and cute, but um, uh, the, I really grew up thinking that I was stupid. Oh, one, one person one time called me stupid That's and awful. you know i learned something interesting about the brain which i tell also my burn patients and that is this the brain which i used to think you know wow you know the brain intelligence the brain does not know that truth and it doesn't know what's false and what's true so what does it know what you believe right yes and what people tell you that you believe okay so like you could learn something and you could believe it about yourself or you you know but that's it it doesn't you know it doesn't have like a higher intelligence you know what i'm saying it's not like hashem put his um i don't know it's not like the neshama has a difference <laughs> Right. level of, of understanding, you yes. know, the soul. 
but the brain doesn't. And, and I, I thought that was very interesting. So I tell people all the time, one thing I tell the parents, make sure doctors don't tell prognosis in front of your children because children, all they know is how to absorb things and they don't know if it's positive or negative yet. And usually the doctors say things, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I hope if there's any doctors listening, I apologize, but um, you know, they've done tests <laughs> and they did, you know, uh, tests and they switched one time two people's uh, prognosis of, of cancer. And the one that was supposed to live died. And the one that was supposed to die lived because all the people treated them. Uh, the one that was supposed thought they were going to die. They, they treated them like that. And the ones right. that were supposed to live, they treated them like that. And one thing about my um, amazing thing is that Hashem did not send anybody to visit me who couldn't handle how I looked. They were only, only, only positive people. And such a um, blessing. Yeah. Like I used to think, oh, someone's going to die. You need to tell them. But I do not believe that anymore. And I, and I think that we can't, you know, we don't, we don't know what's the future and neither do doctors. So, you know, just be positive and just, you know, I mean, I knew that uh, there was a possibility that I could die. And because of that, I asked myself like, so what do you want to live for? And what came up, you know, like, you know, those old um, cash registers, just yeah. press the button and like, right. Yes. What came up was, on one side, to be the wife to my husband, to finish the job being the wife to my husband. And the other side, the mother to my three young children. Amazing. And that was it. Like, I did want to become a fashion designer one day. I, you know, I had whatever. I don't know. You know, women like to have careers and be famous. And I, that's how I grew up. You know, like you have to be beautiful, brilliant, and famous. And if you didn't, and rich. <laughs> oh, that was what our media, you know, was putting out there. And if you weren't those, I don't know, you were in trouble. Right. But really, those, most of those um, are brachas from Hashem, you know. And um, what we have, what we have left to do is to like take what Hashem gave us and to be happy with it and go forward, you know. So that's what I, I tried to do. I, I, um, it, it, like everything, it was like a small, you know, ball that slowly rolled down uh, like a valley, not quite a mountain, but it just kept going, you know. And when I, I, I uh, that lady um, that I went to visit, so that, so after that, um, after that visit, so my friend, um, uh, called me and uh, so she said, so hi, hi, how you doing? What'd you do today? So I told her I went to visit this person uh, and the husband of the, of the wife, um, as we're walking out the door, he like, you know how sometimes like my father used to do it. Like we, we used to call, he stood me some money. Yeah. He like, you know, tried to push in my hand some money, you know? So the husband tried to, you know, give me some money, let's say whatever, something for a cab or whatever. Right. And I was so embarrassed. I could not take it. And when my friend, I told her the story, she said, Hi, Malka, 
you need to start a foundation so that people can help you do what almost no one could do. Amazing. Such a great idea. Really, really great idea. Because you, I mean, you have the firsthand perspective. You went through a fire. You went through being burned. You went through the recovery. You went through everything emotionally, physically. You went through it. So you come from such a perspective that you can really, really help others. You can empathize with them. You can sympathize them. You can guide them into their treatments and their post-recovery. And it's really fantastic. Um, and I know that you have a, a burn hotline. I will post it when I um put up the podcast, I'll put the, the burn hotline in the description so people can contact you. Okay. Yes. Um, and I, I also know that the burn foundation has a magnet that you give out with that you give out with the immediate tips on what to do if you have a burn. Can you share some right. of those tips with us? Sure. So um, these are not medically approved <laughs> tips. <That's okay. laughs> but why do I do them and promote them is because they work. They work they're fast, they prevent trauma, pain, hospital trips, you know, doctor trips. They just save time and money and, and, and anguish, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, the first thing, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I'm, I'm, I, I, I network with a lot of uh, people who help people with burns. And um, I traveled in America for 20 years uh, with telling my story. And I met a lot of people also in Canada, whatever. I met people in Europe. And so I have, I have a list. Like I was always wondering, why don't these people uh, personify themselves? And I realized that because of what they're doing is not legal, you see. So they don't put themselves out there so much. Mm -hmm. So what I do is um, I made a list and, and I keep getting more, you know, every week, a month, a few months, I get another name of someone else in some other, either in another country or in another city in Israel who knows about Burns, who has a who does, you know, to help. And um, <laughs> uh, the one of the, this woman who called me yesterday, her, her future daughter-in-law got terribly burnt on her back and she's supposed to get married in five weeks. So wow. she called me and then she was telling me about this woman in England who somehow she knew that I had helped her well many, many, many years ago. Anyway, it's so, so interesting. So she told me about some, somebody that I didn't know. So whatever, I just keep adding to my list. So let's say I have a friend, a woman who, uh, encouraged me to start the foundation. She calls me from Florida and she says, hi, Maka, uh, somebody here got burned. They want to know where, where can we get creams? Right. So I sent her the number, the email, whatever. And, um, they make the connection, they send it in the mail, they get it, whatever overnight mail. And, um, and that's, that's what I do. And, uh, <laughs> um, but well, there's some like really interesting tips like about potatoes. Like if you oh, okay. burn. Yeah. Yes. So, so the thing is this, the first, the most important thing that I learned in the past 10 years is not to use water. Now this no is water on Hatsala, Mata, they all use water. Now I spoke once to a Hatsala person and uh, I asked him, well, what do you do? So somebody calls, they say, so put it in water for 10 minutes, you know, till, till Hatsala arrives. 
say, okay. But I had many burns after my burn because I love to cook and I'm always busy. And, you know, Friday, almost, or it's a Friday or Arab, you know, Arab hog, Arab, you know, a holiday. Um, and so it's really all about being more careful, doing, you know, working a little slower, especially around things that are hot. Okay. Yeah not being so confident. You know what I mean? When you're confident, you just like, <laughs> anyway, just like, go oh, slow down, just slow down. So I have had, I don't know, let's say even five burns. One was really bad and it opened the skin here, um, like the size um, of a nickel, a quarter, size of a quarter. All I did was touch one little place and over here, I have, I have skin grafts and skin grafts are very thin. So um, it burned in one second. It just melted, melted, oh. and it was excruciating. So in the past, what I would do with a clothes burn is I would run for the saran wrap, cut a piece off and make sure to have a, a, a box that has a good top that has either like a a slide rule over there or something that you, you close it and it, you can easily get your saran wrap. Okay. Not something that like you have to fiddle with for a minute in order, you know, to get it out. So you put the saran wrap right on it. Right on the bird. Only you don't right. You don't put wrap it like a gift. You don't, you know, like let's say you have a soup and you want to go to your neighbors for Shabbos or something, or your relatives for Shabbos, you have a soup, you're taking a soup and you wrap it, you know, that way, that way, that way. No, we okay. don't do that. Because sometimes when you say wrap it with saran wrap, people think the more the merrier. And it's not at all. Okay. There are whoop. That's okay. Okay, sorry. Um, I thought I turned that down. Okay. Um, so, sorry. So, um, you just put it on sometimes it, like if it's at the tip of the finger, I just put it on it, you know, I just wrap it around, you know, I try to use as little as possible, but cover the burn. So, um, but if it's on a flat area, sometimes you need, I don't know, I use sometimes scotch tape and I, you know, and if I don't have anything, I just hold it if it's like a small, you know, smallish burn. Okay. You, you hold the saran wrap over it or just your hand over yeah, it? Yeah, you can hold the saran wrap over it. Okay. The saran, you can hold it down. Okay. With your hand. Okay. But usually I'm so busy, I want to keep going. <laughs> so I want to like, and the thing is, it's also very good to be distracted because when you're distracted, you don't feel the pain so much. Yeah. Okay. We're talking about excruciating. It doesn't matter if it's a first, second or third degree burn. It's usually excruciating. And there are sometimes burns that are so little that you, you go like, ah, that was nothing. But those are the burns that you forget, the one forgets about, those could be the burns that after 10 minutes, all of a sudden they start hurting. Yes. So anytime anybody touches something hot, they should really put saran wrap on it. And in 10 minutes, it's gone. Do you hear that? In 10 minutes, for an adult or for, for a teenagers and over, you know, like for, I would say, I don't know, 11 years old and up. It's amazing. In 10 minutes, the burn's gone. If it, if it didn't open or blister, okay? That means any first or second degree burn, mostly. The, the saran wrap draws out the heat. 
Okay, that's important. Very important. So you take and the what, and and what's the, the pain from? It's from the heat of the burn. Right. I don't know how it works. I still don't know how it works, but it works. So Plus, you take the saran wrap and you put it on the, the burn and you hold it over. You hold your hand over the saran wrap, which is covering the burn, and you hold it for about how long? 10 minutes. About 10 minutes. Okay. okay. So 15 okay. minutes. But for me, it always worked in 10 minutes. Okay. Okay, fine. So you hold it. So on- you don't have to hold. You could hold it down with scotch tape okay. or some other tape or something, you know. And in 10, 15 minutes, you, have to hold it with, you don't have to hold it with your hand, but okay. in case you don't, you're, I don't know, like there's also other th- interesting things. Okay. So usually that's, it's finished by then. If it was open, I, that burn that I had that was open, yep. it also, the pain was gone in 10 minutes. Amazing. I mean, I've had people call me to t- ask me, you know, that their child got burned. Da-da. I hear screaming in the background. I mean, when did this burn happen? An hour ago. Oh, so a child is screaming for an hour. If you know what to do, it is so easy. Okay. And you could distract kids with whatever you could put here. Um, uh, what's it called? Rescue remedy here yes. and here mm-hmm. or for older people <laughs> or people who don't, you know, uh, don't want to drink anything or I don't know. Um, that's also very calming and talk to them calmly. You could put it on yourself too, because, you know, emergency situations get like, they get us all riled up, yes. you know? And so it's very good to like deep breathe and say positive things. You know, this is, this is getting better. The other thing, interesting thing that I, that I do, um, which I, I, I heard from somebody who does uh, biokinesiology that um, I, I read about this also in a religious magazine, a magazine called Hamodia, and I've been using it for years. And it's like this most amazing tip that um, the child falls or gets a burn or whatever. Some, they have some, they, they, they get a knock somewhere and it's on the right side of their body. You go like this around your ear. Can you just okay. move your hand in a circular motion around your ear? Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And if it's on the left side, you do it with your left hand. Mm-hmm. And if it's in the middle of the body, you do both. You make circular motions around, around without touching the ear, around the ear. And what it does, like, I, I didn't know what it does. I tried it once and it was amazing. It really worked. Like I, I once kicked the back of my, my ankle uh, I somehow I got it in the door of the fridge and it's like very sensitive over there. And it was really in like in a, one minute or so of doing that. It just like the pain went away. I didn't have a black and blue mark, nothing. It was just amazing. So also for like kids, let's say a child falls or whatever they get, you know, I don't know. And the mother's holding them or someone's holding them. So while they're holding them, you can, do that. And it's so soothing them. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It's very, it's, yeah, it's soothing because it's so one time I was at a wedding and I, and I met this woman who I once, um, you know, once went to for some, uh, do this uh, kinesiology. And she said, I asked her, you know, what is that? What are, you know, what is <laughs> She said, what it does is it repairs the aura. Like wow. that, there is such a thing, you know, Zamer Cohen, Rabbi Zamer Cohen talks about it in his book 
called the uh, coming revolution, all about how science uh, is now acknowledging some things that the Torah that are in the Torah, and that's 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 one of them. That that there's that everybody has an aura around their body, yes. and when a person does a mitzvah, the aura, the colors change. It's really interesting. So this woman told me that when you do that, that, that action with the with the uh, hand around the ear. Uh, the circle circling the ear that it repairs the aura so i understood from that and when somebody falls or gets hurt the aura somehow is broken right it suffers i, I right. don't know i'm not i'm not an expert on auras but yes. that's what i could tell you and um, that is one of the most amazing um tools or tips whatever that i i, I use all the time I appreciate that. That's very, very helpful. Actually, I really appreciate that. I'm actually going to try that in my own life with that, with the taking your hand and circling around the ear for repairing yeah. auras and soothing. Um, you're so <laughs> inspiring and we can really all learn so much about you and from the way that you handle this challenging situation. You, you didn't let getting burned over the majority of your body defeat you. You fought hard. Hashem helped you and you survived. Baruch Hashem. And now you turned your tragedy into a triumph by helping others when the similar situation as you were in. So Kol Haka vote to you. Um, Rebison Hayamaka Abramson's book is called Who by Fire and you can find it on Amazon. Thank you so much, Rebison Hayamaka, for taking the time to join us on America's Top Rebitsons. We really appreciate having you here. And may all the learning we did today be for Arafua Shalema, for Shlomo Aaron Ben Sarahana. If anyone has any questions or comments about the podcast, or if anyone would like to sponsor a future podcast, please email us at atrebitsons at gmail.com. That's A-T-R-E-B-B-E-T-Z-I-N-S at gmail.com. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you.